Hey guys, so guess what? You're not getting a uh, introduction today <laughs> with the music or anything because um, I accidentally did something completely wrong in um, addition, which is the program I use to record podcast episodes. And so I made the sample rate wrong for this podcast episode. And because everything else I've ever done is in a different sample rate, long story short, I can't like mix the two. And so in order to not re-edit my entire introduction to like this particular sample rate, I'm just not giving you one. So sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, fun stuff. So just a quick update. I am planning on changing the name of the podcast. And that's something I have talked about on the podcast really briefly before. And the reason I'm thinking about doing this is because nobody can remember or understand what P40 Ministries means. So I'll tell people the name of the podcast. It's, oh, you know, it's P40 Ministries. And they're just like, P90, P90X. I'm like, no, P40. And then they're like, P50. And I'm like, no, P40 Ministries. And then they're like, oh, what's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so no one can understand the name, nor do they remember what it is when I am trying to tell people um, what the, the podcast is. So that is the reason I am considering a name change, and I'm probably going to roll that out pretty quickly. I already have a name sort of set on, which was actually my tagline a long time ago, but I'm not going to tell you guys what it is yet, not until I really roll that out. So if you notice like a complete name change on the podcast and maybe a new picture for the podcast cover, don't be alarmed. It's still the same podcast. I just went ahead and changed the name of it. But the content is going to remain the same. The host myself is going to remain the same. Basically, everything will be the same, except for the name of the podcast and possibly the cover art picture. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that's something that's going to be rolled out uh, decently quickly. So just a heads up to uh, everybody listening about that. The second thing is, which is kind of funny, and I didn't actually realize this until after the episode uh, was up and I had like written out the description for it and everything. I didn't realize that when I talked about the first fruits on Monday and I aired that podcast episode, it would have lined up almost perfectly for when the first fruits festival was supposed to happen back in biblical times because it was supposed to be right after Passover. The day I talked about it was last or this past Monday. And I thought that was so funny because it would have literally almost exactly lined up what we were talking about on Monday with the actual Jewish calendar, like back in those days. It was like right after Passover was when First Fruits was celebrated. And I didn't even realize that. And I was just going on with the podcast episode, like talking about First Fruits and how it was right after Passover. And like, I didn't even realize <laughs> that we were talking about it pretty much the same day that First Fruits was like supposed to happen back in uh, the Jewish calendar. And I just found that really, really cool. Like that was a really nifty uh, thing. So yeah, that was kind of cool. But today we're going to be talking about the next weeks after the first fruits. So let's talk about that today. We're going to be talking about Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 through 25. Grab your Bible, your cup of coffee or your cup of tea, and let's start. 
You shall count from the next day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. The next day after the seventh Sabbath, you shall count 50 days and you shall offer a new meal offering to Yahweh. You shall bring out of your habitations two loaves of bread for a wave offering made with two tenths of an ephah of fine flour. They shall be baked with yeast for the first fruits to Yahweh. You shall present with the bread seven lambs without defect a year old, one young bull and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to Yahweh with their meal offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of a sweet aroma to Yahweh. You shall offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs, a year old, for a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before Yahweh with the two lambs. They shall be holy to Yahweh for the priest. You shall make proclamation on the same day that there shall be a holy convocation to you. You shall do no regular work. This is a statute forever in all of your dwellings throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you must not wholly reap into the corners of your field, and you must not gather the gleanings of your harvest. You must leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am Yahweh your God. So what's really cool about um, this Feast of Weeks, as it's called, in scripture it's actually the same day as pentecost which is a christian holiday and pentecost was actually the day that uh, the church was born in a sense that was when the believers were like all gathered together after jesus ascended into heaven and uh, they had the flames of fire above their head and that was when like the holy spirit like descended on the church and built the church after that so this is kind of cool. I think it's nifty that it, it lines up with um, with Pentecost. But back in these days, it was not called Pentecost. It was called the Feast of Weeks. So the Feast of Weeks was 50 days after the first fruits celebration. So Passover would happen. Then right after Passover would be first fruits, like literally right after Passover. And then 50 days after first fruits, I believe, if I'm thinking correctly, it would be the Feast of Weeks. So the Feast of Weeks was actually a celebration, I believe, of the wheat being grown in Israel. And I think I said that the first fruits was a celebration of the wheat, but I was wrong. So forgive me for that. I believe the first fruits was the celebration of the barley, because I think um, wheat is more of like a summertime thing. I, I think I was wrong about that. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but I've never grown wheat in my defense, so I don't actually know when when uh, wheat is supposed to like grow. But forgive me for that, for um, getting that wrong. First fruits right after Passover was for the barley, and so the barley would be uh, given to God as a first fruits. Now, 50 days after that, the first fruits would be for the wheat, and that's why we see that bread was supposed to be offered here with the Feast of Weeks. It says in verse 17, you shall bring out of your habitations two loaves of bread for a wave offering made with two tenths of an ephah of fine flour. They shall be baked with yeast for the first fruits to Yahweh. So you remember what a wave offering was? The priest literally would just wave it back and forth. <laughs> and that was a wave offering. I still just love the wave offering. I think it's really cute. But anyway, this was the one time that we see that leavened bread was allowed to be offered to God. And in fact, required to be offered to God was during the Feast of Weeks. So the leavened bread could never be burned. We see that if somebody does in fact bring 
yeast or bread with yeast in it or leaven, it was never supposed to be burned. That's why the wave offering would happen because yeast was never supposed to be burned on the altar. And I do believe that people could bring yeast just like by itself as a thanksgiving to God. But yeah, yeast was never supposed to be burned on the altar, which is why the priest is waving it back and forth as a wave offering. So it says that the people were supposed to bring the um, the two loaves of bread made with yeast as first fruits to Yahweh. Then it says, you shall present with the bread seven lambs without defect, a year old, one young bull and two rams. Now, I don't know if this is talking about per family that had to bring this stuff or if it was talking about just the priests would have to get this stuff, like the seven lambs from somewhere, he would have to get them and present them for like the entire congregation of Israel. I don't know. I don't know if it was per family or not. And I'm not going to say either way. But remember that families were really big back in these days. They were made up of like a 100 people because (laughs) aunts, uncles, sisters, grandchildren, grandparents, like everyone would live together in their communities. And anybody that those people married would all live together in the communities. And so families were big. So I guess if it was talking about per family, this might not be too ridiculous if somebody had to bring, like a whole family had to bring seven lambs. I actually have a neighbor down the street from me, and I would guess he has like 15 or maybe 20 um, sheep that he owns. It's so fun every spring because he always has a few baby lambs. (laughs) Every single year, and I just love them. They're so cute. And every single time I pass them, I'm just like, oh, baby lamb. But yeah, this year he had like four baby lambs. And I mean, he does not have that many sheep. So if this was a farming community, which Israel was, and don't forget, uh, they had so much stuff. Like Israel had so much cattle and sheep because the Egyptians like gave them all this stuff. Israelites were pretty rich. They're pretty rich people because they were able to present all this stuff to God to build the temple. And they also kind of plundered Egypt because the Egyptians were so scared of the Israelites. The Egyptians like gave the Israelites tons of stuff to get the um, to get the people like the Israelites out of Egypt because they were so scared after like God brought all those plagues on Egypt that they paid the Israelites to leave. So, yes, the Israelites were quite rich. But also, I believe that this was not supposed to be celebrated, the Feast of Weeks, until the people went into the Promised Land either. So I don't believe that God was making his people celebrate this in the wilderness, because in the wilderness, obviously, they don't have much resources. They probably don't have good land to plant stuff. They were traveling around, so they couldn't really have like like farm stuff, I suppose. Because if you look back at verse 10, it says, speak to the children of Israel and tell them when you have come into the land, which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. So I do believe biblically that the first fruits and the feast of weeks weren't supposed to be celebrated until the people came into the promised land, because then the people could farm, they could do agricultural stuff and then uh, present it to God that way when they had more. Just like generally when they had more, when they were more well-established, 
then possibly, yeah, it wouldn't be so uh, ridiculous for a family of 100 people to bring seven lambs. And the reason I, I brought up my neighbor was because if he only has like 20 sheep and he got four lambs this year, I can imagine if a family of 100 had thousands of sheep, they would have tons of lambs each year to present to God. But then it says that the people were not only supposed to bring the lambs as a sin offering, but also one young bull and two rams. Once again, don't know if this was per family or if this was the priests that um, would just gather the stuff, like just seven lambs and just the one bull and whatever else, and uh, do it for the entire congregation of Israel. I don't know. And actually, if you have the answer to that, I would love to to know that. So contact me at p4ministries.com slash contact. <laughs> okay, so then after this, it says that also they were supposed to bring a drink offering and um, a meal offering as well, or the cereal offering. And then there would be a goat for sin offering and two male lambs a year old for the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before Yahweh with the two lambs, and they shall be holy to Yahweh for the priest. But in verse 21, it says that the people shall make a proclamation on the same day that there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no regular work, and this is a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. So God basically tells the people to take a day off for the Feast of Weeks. And that they should do no regular work and that they should go basically to church. And we talked about why God put church into place so early on with his people. And I just find it so cool that God literally like put church into place and like commanded his people to go to church. <laughs> Not just once a week on Sabbaths, but also for these special holidays as well. The people would have to get together and enjoy time worshiping together. And I just love worshiping with people I just love it. It's a lot of fun going to church every week. But anyway, it says that this was supposed to be done and God was putting this rule in place. So if you want to learn more about why God put church into place and you didn't listen to Monday's episode, go back and uh, listen to Monday's episode that I just did about that. But in verse 22, it's kind of a, a curious little verse. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you must not wholly reap into the corners of your field. And you must not gather the gleanings of your harvest. You must leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am Yahweh, your God. So basically the people weren't allowed to like reap the corners of their fields. <laughs> when I first read that, I'm like, that's kind of weird. And I knew the one about how they must not like gather the gleanings, which is basically the stuff that like falls onto the ground. The people weren't supposed to gather that like say you had grapes or whatever and like your grapes started to fall on the ground you weren't allowed to like pick those grapes up off the ground you were supposed to leave them for the foreigner and for the poor people to come and like basically like gather as much as they wanted off the ground and they could do that and that was put into place to protect foreigners and poor people people that didn't have much maybe a foreigner was starving as he was like um coming through and saw a field and he was allowed to gather and eat and uh help his family as well and so the poor people would be allowed to do this this would not be stealing in any sense but another interesting thing that god adds into that is that the people that owned the fields were not supposed to reap the corners in other words they weren't supposed to like harvest 
the corners of their fields. And I don't know if this means like the perimeter all the way around or just the corners, but they were not supposed to like gather everything. They were supposed to like leave a bunch of stuff that was not harvested in the corners of their fields. And this was another way to protect the poor people and the foreigners. And God is saying like, look, like everything I give you in the middle there, like all the stuff that you can harvest in the middle of your field is good enough for you because I give you everything. So protect the poor people. And this just goes to show you how much God cares about every single individual and how God like puts these measures in place to protect people, to protect the poor. And I mean, there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about how if you truly love God, you're going to help the poor, you're going to help the widow, and you're going to help the orphan or rather the fatherless. And that is so interesting to me how God just is very consistent with that in everything that he does to the extent that he puts a rule in place of how the people shouldn't harvest their stuff because God can do whatever he wants, really. Like he gave that field to that person. And so that person needs to make sure that they're protecting other people. And so God puts that in place to protect the poor and the foreigners. And I mean, if God really cared about this issue back in these days, he certainly cares about it now. So what can we do now to give of our resources to somebody who might be struggling? And this one is hard for me specifically because in America, we have a pretty bad problem with um, entitled people, as unfortunate as that is. And we get a lot of people that want stuff for free. And we have a huge welfare system like set up in place. And I'm not going to go into that right now, but it's hard to know who really needs help because a lot of people don't actually need help and are just like using the government to get by. And so it's, it's hard to know. So I guess if you're in the same boat as I am, where you like struggle with that issue of like who really needs help or who is just like being entitled and trying to like get stuff for free, I guess a good thing we could do is just pray about it and ask God to help us find somebody or rather bring somebody to us that really does need help, especially if we're really concerned about this issue. And, uh, you know, I've just been it's funny how much I've been seeing this more and more. I keep seeing the words orphan and widow in the Bible like so much recently that God wants us to care for those people. And so I'm like, man, what's God trying to tell me with that? Because I keep seeing stuff like this, like protect the poor, protect the widow and protect the orphan. And I'm just like, hmm, I wonder what God's trying to tell me here. But anyway, guys, this was Leviticus 23 verses 15 through 22 and a lot of this was repeated from stuff we've talked about before but it's still always really a great thing to talk about it's just interesting to learn more about or rather to remind ourselves and refresh ourselves on uh, God caring about the poor which is something we talked about today we talked about uh, the different offerings and even the people leaving Egypt and the different offerings that God required of his people depending on the circumstance. So yeah, that's what we talked about today. And guys, you know, join me tomorrow because we're going to be having guests on the podcast. We're going to be having Bethany Bilson on, and she's going to be talking about the faith of the centurion. So I'm excited to have her on. And then her co-host is actually going to be on next Tuesday on the podcast. And he's going to be talking about a parable 
on uh, Tuesday. So tune in because lots of exciting things are, are coming up and lots of nice guests as well. And I'll keep you guys updated on that name change <laughs> when that does in fact happen. So I hope you guys continue to stay tuned to everything that's happening with the podcast. I hope you guys go over to p40ministries.com and check it out. And you know, guys, if this podcast is touching you in any way, please share it because this is the Bible we're talking about. It is the most important thing we can share with other people. And this is why I began the podcast was to help people understand the Bible a little bit more. Whether or not I am achieving that, I'm not quite sure. But all right, guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. Happy listening and God bless.